It's time for my annual trip to the gym. You only go once a year? Yep. Arrive. Have no clue what to do. Try some random exercises. Leave. That's it. You should try FitBod. It's an app that builds a workout routine just for you, based on your goals, fitness level, and equipment. And a whole year of FitBod costs less than one session with a trainer. Wow. This has already been my most productive gym trip yet. Download FitBod today and get a 14-day free trial plus 25% off your subscription when you go to fitbod.me slash getfit. American Giant does things the hard way, but that's because it's the right way. By choosing to manufacture all of its clothes in the United States, American Giant supports local communities and produces the highest quality goods on the market. Ten years ago, they went against the grain and imagined making a hoodie of unbelievable quality locally. One that would hold up for years and get better with each wear. They did just that. And now they have a full range of durable essentials for men and women, including tees, premium sweaters, cozy sweats, and so much more. The best part? Everything is American-made to the highest standards, supporting hardworking communities, living wages, and safe working conditions. So you can buy your values and fill your closet with long-lasting clothes you can feel great about. Wear your values in the new year. Complete with durable essentials at American-Giant.com. And get 20% off with code NY23 at checkout. That's 20% off at American-Giant.com. Code NY23. Welcome to the Fandrax Toolshed. If you love Dynasty Leagues and prospects, you came to the right place, because that's what this show is all about. Covering the majors and all levels of the minor leagues to give you the leg up in your Dynasty Leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, Dynasty and prospect fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 30 of the Fantrax Toolship with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store for you all today. And joining me, as always, is my marvelous co-host from Fantrax HQ, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, man? Hey, what's up, Eric? Not too much. Just uh, another great day for baseball. I had to watch some baseball earlier, and now getting to chat about baseball. You can't complain about that. So minor leagues in full swing. Major league ball is going good. Life's good. Absolutely, man. I just played some disc golf out uh, earlier today on Sunday because the weather up here the last few days in Maine has been absolutely gorgeous. Uh, it was low 70s today, perfect, nice and sunny. Supposed to get up to 80s this week, uh, I heard. So we got baseball weather to accompany the baseball up here, which it makes it even better. Uh, hopefully get back to the ballpark soon because Maine just announced or Marshall Hadlock Field in Portland where I go mostly, this announced they're going full capacity uh, on June 1st, I believe it is. So better chance of me getting in the ballpark more frequently to see some minor league action. So, yeah, yeah everything's uh, everything's looking good, man. So it's a good time. It's a good time to stay positive. I'll get all that negativity in the rearview mirror and stay positive because we got another 100 and what, 25, 120 games of, of uh, Major League Baseball left, another 130 of minor league ball. So, a lot more baseball, and that is the best feeling in the world, obviously. Uh, before we get into the, to today's show, the usual housekeeping here, you can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I am at AirCross04, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review on iTunes or on your preferred podcasting platform. Those ratings and reviews do mean a lot. 
And please check out our Patreon for extra written content from both of us, bonus podcasts, private Discord access, and access to our live prospect and dynasty rankings, and much more. These perks are available across four different tiers starting at $5. Or if you just want to thank and support Chris and I, you can do so for as little as $1 a month. You can sign up today at patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed. And make sure to check out all the great written and audio work we have at FantraxHQ.com, including the Five Tool Podcast, SB Streamer. And Chris just pumped out his OBP Top 500 Dynasty Rankings. So if you play in OBP formats, go check those out. I will have my updated prospect rankings out this week, probably Tuesday, but we'll see how schedule works out. So a lot of good stuff to check out there. Um, but all right, let's get right into this week's show. We're going to be going over some, you know, some star players and some just really good players that we all kind of drafted highly this year. Players that we were counting on to be some of the anchors to our offense and to our pitching staffs that just have not had a good season, whether it be by, because of injury, performance issues, whatever it may be. They're having bad seasons. We're going to talk about it and kind of discuss how worried we are about these players moving forward. We start with some hitters now, take our usual break middle of the show, and then hit some pitchers after the break. Let's start with a couple of the bigger names here. Two first-round talents that have not really played a ton this year due to injury, and that's Christian Yelich and Cody Bellinger, two guys that Chris and I both get asked a lot about, you know, how worried we are about them. You know, moving forward, Chris, which one of these two are you more worried about and why? I think it has to be Yelich because, you know, getting up there in age and, you know, we laugh at that. He's only 29 years old, so he's not like old by any means. <laughs> but the injuries have been mounting up, which is yep. slightly concerning for me when, you know, he's had obviously that knee injury, which could affect how much he runs. We may question how many bases he's going to steal. And, you know, last year, he only stole four bags after still in 30 in 2019. You know, he had was shut down in 2019 after that injury, only dropped a four last year. No shortened season, but still it was encouraging. He stole two already early this season before the back injury flared up. But that back injury is concerning. But you look at the production, how it's kind of fallen off. It's, it's concerning, in my opinion. 2019, we know he had that big MVP season, 44 home runs, 30 stolen bases. 329, 429, 671 slash was quite impressive there. But you look, and he seemed to have gotten a little passive when we look at the numbers. He's swinging a lot less out of the zone, and then he come back up a little bit this year. But in 2020, when the numbers tanked really hard, he did hit 12 home runs, but he hit just 205 when he saw the strikeout rate fly up for nearly 10%. But he was also walking near 20%, which, you know, those numbers go to show me that he was being a little too passive. And this year we saw the walk rate go down a little bit. You know, he had just had 41 plate appearances before being shut down, but he was walking close to 15%, but still striking out at a 32% clip, which is concerning the ISO. There was no power at all. I mean, his ISO of 0.029 is definitely concerning. His OBP was nearly a hundred points higher than his slug, you know, which is concerning in its own matter. And he had a BABIP of 571. So you think that those numbers would regress. He's been out with a back injury. That's something that just concerns me, and it reminds me of Aaron Judge a couple years ago when the Yankees just did not really know what to do with him and what was causing it, and he just kept getting hurt. Now, Yelich is back on rehab assignment. He was in the lineup today in AAA Nashville. 
I'm just concerned that he does something again to tweak it and he goes back on the IL. I'm afraid they're rushing him back. But then you look, if, if he loses this year, he'll turn 30 in December. So you look at next year going into his age 30 season, you just wonder what, what does this do to his dynasty value? You know, he was still a guy coming this season that I valued as a top 10 dynasty asset just because of the talent level and the skill set that he brought to the table. But right now, He's pushing back into my 20 range, and I think there's definitely reasons to be concerned. Obviously, he has the talent. He's got the skill set to produce that power speed, but I do have questions about how much he will run and the power. The power's taking a little hit, even though you look at his stat cast data, and last year was off the charts, you know, which was interesting. Even though in struggle, he hit the ball harder than ever. He had one of the higher barrel rates of his career. You know, there's just a lot of weird things going on in his profile, but I think there's reasons to be concerned. I'm not sure we can value Yelich as a first-round talent anymore for Dynasty or redraft next year. But again, a lot could change coming back from injury. But right now, I'm pushing him down a little bit into my 20 range, or at least close to it for Dynasty. But again, the talent level is still there, so he could rebound and come back. But yeah, I'm concerned about Yelich. I'm concerned about both. And for Yelich, yeah, it definitely has a lot to do with the injuries that are just... It's going to be piling up now. Like you mentioned, the knee in the back, the knee. I mean, we, we talked with uh, Nick Savali about this on Five Tool about how maybe um, he doesn't run as much. And then uh, same thing with Bellinger, too. Kind of that, have that concern with both of these guys if they don't run as much. And if they're more just five to eight steel guys as opposed to Yelich being, you know, 20 plus and Bellinger being in the mid to upper teens like he was kind of doing. So if they're not as valuable in that department, then they're going to really have to hit well to be kind of as valuable overall as they have been. And I just don't know if I, if I see that, like you mentioned, Bellinger really just has that great couple months. He's been pretty good the rest of his career. Like I don't think either one of us are saying he's been bad or even average rest of his career, but you look back at the first half of the 2019 season, he slashed 336, 432, 692. With 30 home runs and 85 games, 377 plate appearances. Even the second half of that year, he went down to 263, 371, 546. Still good, but not, you know, first round talent good. It's like, you know, third round talent or so, 17 home runs, seven steals. And it was really, you know, that April, March and April, I think it was like a couple games in March that year. Yeah, he had 31 games total, 132 plate appearances. 431, 508, 890 slash with 14 home runs, 37 RBI, 32 runs, and five steals in a month. That is insane. Even after that, like it went down to 319 in May, 272 in June, 265 July, 235 August, and finished at 280 in September. So outside of that, he's been right around a 260 or so hitter rest of his career. And, you know, unless you're giving me. You know, at 260, I better be getting some really good power and speed to be valuing a guy as a top 20 asset. And I just don't think he's going to provide that speed anymore. And you got to wonder with all these injuries, maybe he's not quite the 40 home run power hitter. We have to kind of see about that, see how he looks when he's back. And then he's coming back from this uh, this leg fracture. So who knows how much he's going to want to run. And this, he's already had, I think, a setback already with that. So yeah, there's just a lot of for both these guys a lot of concerns with the with the injuries and how that will affect um, affect their performance and like, like I, said, I think there'll be maybe like third round guys but 
if you can still get a kind of first round haul for these guys in dynasty, I would absolutely be looking to do that. I think you still can with their names because, you know, Shellich and Bellinger, two guys that were in, inside my top six or seven about a year, year and a half ago. And now, as Chris has said, I'm moving him them down my rankings as well. Uh, definitely out of the top 15. I got to look to see where I have each one of them, but it's not another one of them are really in my top 15 anymore. Um, for these reasons. So yeah, definitely worried. I think I'm a little more worried about Yelich just because of the age. And it's hard to say he's getting up there in age when he's still like a year younger than I am. Um, so it makes me, yeah, makes me feel a little bit older now, but definitely, yeah, worried about more worried about Yelich because of the age and Bellinger's still like 26, 27. So not quite as worried about him, but neither one are first round guys anymore. 100% agree about that. Another kind of first-round guy here. We'll kind of group these next few together because they're all on the same team, that being the New York Mets, a.k.a. the team that traded away Jared Kelnick, who's up and raking. Well, kind of. He's raked in one game, didn't do so well in the other two, but that one game was magical. Uh, but anyway, Francisco Lindor has been atrocious this year, and Michael Conforto and Dom Smith have been pretty bad as well. But let's talk about Francisco Lindor here because he has just not lived up to expectations here. Maybe, you know, maybe it's because of the you know new team and all the pressure that goes along that and playing in New York. You know, we've seen that before with other players, whether it be for the Mets or the Yankees. But as of now, through his first 144 plate appearances, Lindor is slashing 192, 303, 283. Only three home runs, eight RBI, 17 runs scored, and two steals. So... Yeah, not great here. And he's been one too. You know, he's never been the guy that puts up the red, a lot of red on this savant base, especially when it came to like quality of contact. He's never had the huge exit velos, you know, huge hard hit rates or something like that. But the stats have always been there, right? So, but how long can that hold up, right? How long can you get by with not having great underlying metrics? And they're not bad underlying metrics, but they're like good. Like he's still like probably like a good player under the radar the last few years, even though the surface stats have been great. But you know, what what are your thoughts, Chris, on on Francisco Lindor here moving forward? Where do you think he can still be a top twenty-five guy and like a top five shortstop, or you think that's even too high? I'm I'm even questioning if he can be that anymore. Yeah, it's I think it's worth questioning because you look like, did he already peak? And you look back to those 2017 through 2019 seasons and, you know, 2017 hit 33 home runs, stole 15 bags, 2018, 38 home runs, stole 25 bags. And then in 2019, 32, 22, and he, you know, averaged between 273 and 284 those seasons. And then last year we see that drop off and he just hit 258, eight home runs, six steals. And now you mentioned this year's just been even more frustrating hitting below the Mendoza line three home runs, two stolen bases. He's picked it up a little bit recently, but I do think there's reason for concern when you look and, you know, he's never hit the ball that hard. So, um, you know, his average exit velocity is right in line with his career. The barrel rates right in line with his career. The launch angles a little low, but not overly concerning at 11.4 degrees. So you just wonder like what, who is Francisco Lindor anymore? And I don't know if it's just, some pressure early on in, in New York, uh, living up to that hype and that big contract he got. I also do think he's gotten a little passive too. We talked about Yelich 
last season beginning to do that. And I think that that's where Lindor is right now as well, where he's gotten a little passive and he's not swinging as much. I think he needs to be more aggressive. I mean, his, his zone swing percentage is down this year, about 8%, which is pretty noticeable in my opinion, especially when he's getting pitched in the zone about 4% more than he, he has in the past. So that's noticeable. His contact rates are still good, but again, he just needs to swing the bat. And when you're swinging less and less, I do think there's reason for a concern. I mean, he's only swinging 42% of the time. If he gets back swinging, you know, I think he'll be fine. But I just wonder, I don't ever think we're going to see a 30-plus home run season again. I think maybe we should expect more of a 25 home run, 15 to 20 steal type guy, which is still really good. But is that more in a top 25 player? I don't know. Or is that more of a Trent Grisham type player? And I think that's kind of where we are on Lindor is, you know, he's good, but I don't think he's that elite first round talent anymore. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Like he's always shown, you know, great plate approach, doesn't strike out a lot, usually can draw a good amount of walks as well. He actually has a, a career best walk rate this year. And yeah, he needs when you when you have a guy that when you don't have like the huge power like a Stanton or Judge or Gallo or Harper, someone like that, you and you swing less and less, it's less chances to do damage, right? Like you mentioned the, the zone swing is down nine percent. Now, it's still a lot of his other metrics are still pretty good. Like his chase, his chase rate's actually gone down about six and a half percent this year. Chase contact's gone up. And so a lot of these metrics have gone in the right direction this year. Whiff rates dropped a little bit, even though last year was a career high whiff rate, uh, 20.3% is down to 19.2 this year. Um, but yeah, he's just being less aggressive. And he, he's, this is a guy that needs to be. You, know, you don't need to be Luis Robert aggressive or something like that or Mondesi aggressive, but you need to be a little more aggressive than he has been to fully capitalize on you know what you can do because you don't have the huge exit velos. You don't have the huge hard hit rates. Like this year, his exit velo is 89.2, which is a little lower than last year, 89.9. It was 91 in 2019, 90.6 2018. So it's gone down a little bit. Um, and the hard hit rate is actually staying pretty much in line. He's been right in the low 40s for the last few years, but low 40s is, you know, maybe a slight, I think it's slightly above league average. And I think league average is like 36, 37% or so. So he's not ever going to be one that's going to wow you there. And a lot of these underlying metrics in terms of quality of contact are slightly going down. And, and who knows how much he wants to run anymore, you know, especially if he's going to be counted on as being a middle of the order guy. And he's never been an elite speedster either. Like, sprint speeds have been you know usually in the 65 to 75 percentile range this year at 72nd percentile last two years 65th so yeah like i think this is the same case that he's still gonna be i think he's obviously i think he's a turnaround obviously like, i'm not like really really worried about you know this being the end of lindor because he's still i think 27 or 28 years old but i am worried about him ever returning to the lindor that we've seen like i, I do agree with you that i think the best years of lindor are behind him maybe he's more of a back end starting shortstop now maybe he's especially with all these young guys we, we got coming up with bo bichette's emergence and wanda franco soon be coming into into games here so uh, i think he's gonna be more of like the back end top 10 shortstop as opposed to one of the elite guys you're taking in the first couple rounds and probably more of a third or fourth round guy moving forward i think um so yeah another one kind of like the same thing we were saying with Bellinger and Yelich, maybe you can still get. I mean, maybe this ain't exactly the greatest time to trade for him, but maybe to see what you can get for Lindor. 
Um, because I think I don't think you're going to see, or maybe wait till he heats up first and then deal him because of the name, what he's on in the past. Yeah, because I, I do think the best days of him of Lindor are behind him. Uh, when it comes to Conforto and Smith, Chris, are, are you worried about these two? Yeah, Conforto is actually one that you know I thought he would perform a little better, and you know last year his his three twenty two batting average was obviously a big anomaly, and he had a four twelve BABIP, and so you assume that over a full year that would probably come down. And you know this year Conforto's just been really rough. That average has dipped well below his career average. He's hitting two thirty two right now, just two home runs, which is concerning. You know he's got that thirty home run pop. But right now, it's just not there. It's interesting because he's making better contact. His contact numbers are up. He's just hitting more balls on the ground. His line drive rate's down, which, you know, line drives result in the highest batting average. And so he's hitting more fly balls, hitting more ground balls, but his home run to fly ball rate is extremely low. And so you look at that, and you think it comes back closer to his career norm. I mean, his career home run to fly ball rate's 19.3%. Right now, this year, it's 7.4%. So you expect the home runs to come with time. You know, he's he's another one, like Lindor, where he's never really stood out from an exit velocity standpoint. And this year, his average exit velocity is just 88.6 miles per hour, which is pretty low. Barrel rate's pretty close to his career average. Not overly concerned there. But again, I do think better days are ahead for him, but not sure how much better. His strikeout rate's down. Everything looks good under the hood. And so I would expect Conforto to get going, but I just don't think you should expect what he did last year. I think, you know, he maybe has 30 home run pop, which at this point he's probably not going to get there unless he gets really hot. But you're probably looking at more of a 260, 270 hitter rather than the 322 guy we saw last year. So I'm not overly concerned about Conforto. I think he comes around, but not to the level of 2020. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's kind of weird how the year he had last year was pretty weird with that 322 average that kind of came out of nowhere. Like before that, he'd been like a 270, 280 guy. Then last year, he was just cranking everything. He had a 314 or better batting average against all three pitch types, which is very odd. This year, really, he's actually still hitting very well against off speed pitches and breaking balls, 300 against breaking balls in 33 plate appearances and 280 against off-speed in 25 plate appearances, but in 76 plate appearances against fastballs, 175 average, 228 slug, 306 Woba. It's really, really struggling against them. And I think pitchers are starting to notice that because they're throwing him fastballs nearly 5% more than last year. Uh, so they're definitely picking up on that. Um, but yeah, I, I do think he's a turn it around, though. Um, so you mentioned the, you know, the, even though the average exit velocity is down, it's not down a whole ton or actually it's actually up from last year, actually looking at up 0.2, um, it's just 41st percentile. But he, again, he's been more of a launch angle guy, but you, I, I got to wonder, like I have been with all these launch angle guys, if they're going to be hurt more by the new ball, you know, who knows, but you know, the XBA is still kind of in line with last year, not far off. X slug isn't far off from last year either. So I do think he's a turn it around. You mentioned great, uh, better plate approach this year. Improve the walk rate, 3.1. Improve the K rate, 3.4%. Uh, so definitely a, a lot, still a lot of encouraging things here. Uh, I think he needs to get back. He needs to get back into a groove here with the power. And I think he will. He's he shown in the past. He's a good power source. So I'm not too concerned with Michael Conforto. But I'll tell you, Chris, who I am very concerned with. Going to the other part of New York here, a different borough, 
I think. Yeah, Queens to the Bronx. Yeah, that's different boroughs. <laughs> Gliber Torres. I am very worried about Gliber Torres, and that is not just because he's a Yankee fan. I take my Red Sox bias out of my analysis. He is this one. He looks terrible this year. For a guy like Gliber Torres with the power he's shown at a young age in a hitter-friendly ballpark in Yankee Stadium to have one home run through 141 player appearances so far is just terrible. And he's a guy that needs to hit for power because he's never going to add a ton of speed. Like he's shown that he's never going to be a big speedster. Sprint speeds have been, you know, 50th percentile or lower down to like 35 percentile or so. Never going to be a guy that adds more than a handful of steals every year. But he's just struggling this year against not hitting for power against any pitch type. His slugging on fastballs is 300. You know, last year it was 420. The year before that it was 603 and 549 in 2018. So 2018, 2019, when he was on, he was mashing fastballs. Now, not so much. <laughs> um, and the, I don't really – you look at the underlying metrics. I'm like, I'm trying. I, I have some shares of Gliber Torres, and mostly in Dynasty Leagues, a couple in redraft. Because the value was so good this year, but I'm not seeing a lot of you know stuff that makes me encouraged that he's gonna turn it around. Like, yeah, the plate approach is still very good. Like, you know, the gains he made last year in K rate and walk rate have pretty much stuck this year, gone down a little bit, but still very good. 12.1% walk rate, 19.9% strikeout rate, but the hard hit rate that peaked at 38% in 2020. This year it's 32.3. XBAs have never been over 255. I don't know. I don't think he's going to be. I'm not ready to put the bust tag on Gliber Torres, but I just don't see it. 84.8 exit velocity right now. That's bottom 3% of the league. Hard hit rate, 13th percentile. All the expected stats, 35th percentile or lower. Bid all rate, 25th percentile. You know, the approach is great, but. That's about it. I don't. Do you see any reason to expect a? You know, I, I don't think he's gonna be this bad. So he'll turn it around to some degree, but turn it around to the degree that the people that roster him are hoping. I don't think so. So out of curiosity, I went and looked because we know that obviously in 2019 when he had his big year, he absolutely mashed the Orioles, and so that year 2019 against the Orioles, here's what he did: he hit. 394, 467 OBP, slug of 1045 with 13 home runs. So I took that out of his season line, and what did that leave him at? It left him at a 238 batting average with just 25 home runs. And what do you know? What has he done the last two years? He's hit 243 and 234, which is quite interesting. And again, I don't think he's that bad. You know, we saw in his rookie year in 2018 also, he hit 271. But I think his stats got so inflated in 2019 from just absolutely destroying the Orioles yeah. and Camden that we got the expectation a little high because you look and overall everything lines up pretty similar. I mean, the contact rates have been completely steady from 2019 to 2020, even to 2021. And, you know, the biggest thing I guess is the drop in hard hit rate. There's a drop in home run to fly ball rate. But again, you wonder how much of that was inflated by just his stats against the Orioles. And so I do think that's interesting how much those numbers drop when you look at it. And I think that he's just more of a 25 home run guy. And even that I'm beginning to 
wonder, is that a little high? Is he just more of a 2025 home run guy? And what is he going to like? What kind of batting average should we expect in the post? I think probably something closer to 260. And, you know, he doesn't have much speed. He's not going to steal you any bases. And so I do think there's plenty of reason for concern. And now I did think that he was going to rebound this year. So like you mentioned, I have some redraft shares because he fell, you know, into the 70, 80 range fairly often in drafts. And I thought that was a good value on him. Man, you just look and there's you know plenty of reason to be concerned. He is being a little passive. He's not swinging out of the zone very much. Yep, that helps the walk rate a little bit. But again, I'd rather I'd like to see him be more aggressive and see what he can do, man. Put the bat on the ball and let's roll. But right now, Glaber's kind of dropping kind of hard for me. And I just wonder is if for Dynasty, is he just a back end top one hundred guy? I was, I I was just about to be. ask you that. I was just about to ask you that. That if if these struggle, maybe not to this degree, but even if he turns it around to a, let's say what, 260, 20, 25 home runs, so the handful of steals, that's not really that exciting. No. I mean, it obviously, that anywhere. yeah, that's a, a profile you can find a lot of places. And that, if he's doing just doing that, I don't think he's top 100 for me anymore. At this moment, he's still in my top 100. And he's, like Chris mentioned, slid down a ton, but. I don't know if he doesn't have a major turnaround this year. I think he's going to be outside my top 100 uh, before the end of the season. And maybe even by mid season of, of these struggles continue, because this is just not good. And someone that's even worse than Torres this year has been a Eugenio Suarez, a guy with five syllables in his first name, which is way too many for a first name. That's way too many to say, um, but a Eugenio Suarez has been one of the worst hitters in baseball. And, of course, the one year I start getting a couple shares of Suarez is the year he totally falls off the map. He's still hitting for some power, seven home runs so far through his first 158 plate appearances, but a 154, 228, 343 slug. And the XBA is only 178, so bottom 3% of the league there. So it's not like he's getting unlucky. The K rate has been steadily climbing the last few years, and it really jumped this year up to 34.4%. At the same time, walk rate dropped to 7.6%. It's being much, much more aggressive. Uh, the contact rates are down. The, you know, Chase contact is way down, 16.3%, down to 30.3%. He's swinging more on the first pitch. Up, That's up 6.5%. A lot of stuff that's just not going the right way. He's still barreling up some pitches, but that's about it. So I, I think the power will still be there, but it's not like these. It, it's one pitch type. He's struggling against all three, 158 against fastballs, 157 against breaking, 067 against off-speed um, with pretty high whiff rates on all three, which kind of carries over from last year. So I don't know. I don't think he's a top 100 guy anymore. What, what do you think? Nah, it's hard to argue for that. I mean, at, coming off that, again, another 2019 season where he was dominant, he had 49 home runs, but even then he did hit just 271. So, you know, obviously that batting average was a little inflated because that many of his batted balls went for home runs. But you look and just he's trended the wrong way each of the last three years, or since 2019, that is. His zone contact steadily dropped. His, his overall contact rate steadily dropped. His fly ball rates actually tanked, like which in the wrong ways going up, and his ground so ground ball and fly ball rate going way up, line drive rate down, which is bad for batting average, and 
the home run to fly ball rate naturally is lower because he's hitting so many more fly balls and not all of them are leaving the park. So you were seeing those numbers kind of all trending the wrong way, as well as his hard hit rate and the stat cast data is just not good. And you look and even his expected numbers are not there. His XBA right now, it's 178, which is among the worst in the league, you know, X Woba of 275, which is at least a little more encouraging, but that's still not great. And the X slug of, of 386. So, you know, not encouraging numbers there at all. The strikeout rate is terrible. His walk rate is dropped. And I almost feel like he's just an empty power guy at this point. And you wonder, like, for batting average leagues at least, like, is he kind of like Joey Gallo? In OBP league, you know, even then his his on-base percentage isn't that high. At least Gallo gets on base at a high clip, so his power plays up a little bit in that format. But definitely discouraged by Suarez, and I think you, you have to – be concerned with what he's done i think he's easily dropping out of the top 100 for dynasty and could continue to plummet if this keeps up and you know i wonder how much of this is from trying a new position out i mean they they moved him to shortstop pretty last minute before the season so i wonder if some of the struggles at the plate are because of his new position in the field that he's having to work on but yeah even still last year he was at third base his natural position and it still wasn't great for him so i'm definitely concerned and i think there's a lot of reason to be skeptical about his future performance. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and if he's just empty power, that's not really valuable at all. Like we mentioned, like p- cheap power, you can get anywhere. These Renato Nunez types. That's, that's the first thing I, I name. I think of, I think cheap power is like, Oh, he's like a 25 Homer bat that doesn't have a good average. And now he's not really playing much this year in Detroit, but those cheap power guys, they're not valuable. If you're not providing good counting stats with that, some speed, a good average or good OBP, you're not really of value to me in fantasy. So at this point in redraft, I actually would probably be cutting ship, you know, the, especially in shallower leagues, so 10 teams, I'd be cutting ship 12 team, probably deeper leagues. I'd probably give it a little more time, but in dynasty, you know, maybe trade him to a contender that needs him. If you're not a contender now, or see if you can get a couple prospects for him. Probably won't be a haul that you're really excited about, but I guess anything's better than nothing. Because I, yeah, I don't see there's not a lot of promising things under the hood here for a Eugenio Suarez. But moving on here, a couple more hitters we'll hit on before we hit the break. Uh, Chris will hit on a couple of Tampa Bay guys. I'll hit on a couple of Toronto guys. Uh, Chris Austin Meadows, Brandon Lau. Are you how, how concerned are you on each of these guys, and who are you more confident in? turning it around moving forward. Uh, definitely more confident in Meadows. <laughs> Brandon Lau has been interesting. You know, he had a monster year last season. Everything looks looked great. You know, he was coming out firing. Everybody was really hype on him. He hit 14 home runs last year in the shortened season. And slash 269, 362, 554 for a 916 OPS, which is great. But I thought he was being overdrafted. I didn't get any shares of him in redraft just because I felt his price tag was a little high. And this is what I was concerned with, his splits. And he might play himself into a platoon really quick. Look what he's done against right-handed, and he's been completely fine against righties. He's hit six home runs, all six of his home runs against right-handed pitchers, and a slash line of 258, 377, 517. So we go over to the left-handed side, where he's been playing pretty regularly. He has 44 plate appearances, which is pretty much regular playing time for him against lefties. No home runs, and his slash line is... 0.05, 0.05, so 0.050, OBP of 136, and a slug of 0.050. Not good. His OPS against 
left-handed pitching is just 186. I'm afraid he works himself into a platoon and doesn't get out of it. Yeah, he he might mash righties, but he can't hit lefties. And I think that's going to come back and bite him in the butt. And I just think he ends up in the platoon and you're not going to get the production you think. Now, Meadows, he's, his numbers are concerning to an extent, but I do think he the better days are ahead. He still hit eight home runs at least. And his, his slash line's respectable at 207. That's not respectable. 207 is not a respectable average. But <laughs> compared, to, compared to Brandon Lau, at least, yeah. it's a little more respectable. Yeah. And his OBP of 311, slug of 457 for a 768 OPS. You know, that's a little bit below his career. I do think he bounces back because you know, under the hood, everything looks fine. He's barreling the ball up at a career high rate. Average exit velocity is a career high. His max exit velo, while not a career high, is, was higher than 2020. His launch angle is the biggest thing. I think it's hindering him. He's trying to hit too many fly balls. His launch angle, 24 degrees. We've mentioned before on this podcast, that kind of launch angle only works for Joey Gallo. So it doesn't work for guys that have, you know, average to above average uh, hard hit rates and, and exit velocities. And Meadows doesn't really classify in that. But overall, I do think he bounces back. His strikeout rate's back down after last year, it's 33%. The walk rate's 11.7%, a career high. Not overly concerned with Meadows. I think he bounces back. I don't think we ever see a career year like we saw in 2019 where he, you know, broke out for 33 home runs, 12 steals, and a 291, 364, 558 slash. But I do think Meadows is a top 100 player still. Lau, not so much. So I'm definitely more concerned with Lau. Yeah, and you got to wonder once, you know, guys like Wander come up and Bruhan, there's going to be less and less spots for guys like Lau. And yeah, with his platoon issues. I could definitely see him kind of going to, and it's the Rays. So we know how the Rays can operate on both sides of the ball. So yeah, definitely more. Yeah. I'm, I'm worried about both. I have some worries about Meadows too, but I'm a little more worried about Brendan Lau here moving forward. Just when I was buying into him too, it sucks. Uh, it's actually, you, you don't buy into a player for so long that you start buying into them and then they just tank like Clint Frazier. Perfect example of this. Was never really a Clint Fisher guy as a prospect. And then I finally started talking well about him this offseason. I think I wrote an article that featured him as being like a guy that could jump up rankings or something like that or a breakout, whatever it was. I forget. And then he just had, I got him on several teams this year and he's been absolutely atrocious. So thank you, Clint Fraser. But anyway, uh, moving on to a couple of Toronto guys here, Kevin Biggio and Lourdes Gurriel are just having themselves. Some atrocious seasons for Biggio, 214, 336, 339, with three home runs, two steals, and 138 plate appearances. For Gurriel, 218, 236, 308, two home runs, one steal, and 140 plate appearances, and plenty of blue balls for both of these guys on their savant pages. Biggio is one I'm a bit more worried about because, again, like, like Chris mentioned, these launch angle guys, like, if you don't have the huge power, you, this is going to be an issue. And with Bishop does not have huge power. He never really has had huge power. He's just been helped out by his bigger launch angles. And, you know, his hard hit rate this year is 31.1%. That is below league average. That is several degrees or several percentage points below league average. His exit velocity is always been right around league average 80 88 89% or so barrel rate is below league average he only has 3 barrels so far this year for a 4.1% barrel rate you know the xba is uh, 
always been low. You know, the great thing about him, he walks a ton. And but he's been kind of moving down the order a bit this year. There's a lot of things that are just going against him here. And he's still showing, you know, he still has a 14.7% walk rate, which is a little lower than the last two years, but still very good. That's top uh, 9% of the league. His K rate has jumped though to 29.4%. So that is a bit worrisome. And again, he's just not hitting the ball hard this year. 11th percentile hard hit rate, 12th percentile X slug, 50th percentile. Uh, bail rate, the ex Wobicon is only 348 after being 328 last year. I just don't see a lot of value here because with him, it was like, all right, if, you, if you're in OBP leagues, he can provide you close to 2020. I don't see the power getting up near 20 again, uh, not with how he approaches things and his quality of contact metrics and the new ball. And if the OBP isn't as good, he's not going to have a chance to steal as much. And especially if he gets moved down the order, just less plate appearances in general. So maybe he's like a 12 to 15 homer guy. It's same thing with steals, but you know the OBP is going down. I just no, there's not a lot here. It, it, it's down to 336. That's decent. That doesn't stand out. Not like what you wanted out of Kevin Biggio. And like I've got to mention before, if he was a, if his father wasn't Hall of Famer Craig Biggio, and if he wasn't coming up at the same time as. Flatty and Bo, so he was getting all that attention, just being their teammate and Lord Scurriel as well. And if you see, and if he's coming up through like Kansas City, would he be as highly sought after as he was early in his career? I don't think so. I think a lot of things kind of went in his way early on that aren't going his way now, especially at the plate. So I am, I'm, I'm basically out on him. I'm, I'm very worried about Vigio moving forward. So if I was had him in dynasty leagues, I'd be trying to sell him at all costs. With Gurriel, I am a bit worried as well because sometimes the, these aggressive approaches can come back to bite you. Like He's never been a guy that walks a lot. Career high is a 6.3% walk rate. This year it's down to 2.2%, which is in the bottom 1% of the league. And at the same time, all of his quality of contact metrics are going down. Exit velocity, hard hit rate, X Wobicon, X slug, all significantly down. Barrel rate has almost been cut in half down to from 11.7 to 6.6%. But you look at a lot of his, his plate discipline metrics, they're not any that are really terrible or going in the wrong way. Yes, O-swing has gone up about 6.5%, but at the same time, his contact rate is up, up at 1.5%. Z-contact is up. O-contact is basically the exact same as last year. Swing strike is basically the exact same as last year. So a lot of those metrics are still pretty solid. So I do think he's going to get going. Um, just from what I've seen in the past in and he's really struggling this year against uh, breaking pitches this year, which he never has in the past, like 182 this year against breaking balls last year was 347 year before that it was 284. So in against fastballs as well, he's really struggling against fastballs and breaking balls, which he's facing 91% of the time. So I think he is going to get it going here. Um, so I would, I would buy low on him, but Biggio um, I'm out on him at this point. Uh, let's go ahead and take a quick break here. We'll come back on the other side and talk some pictures. So stick with us.
Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County takes senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal opportunity housing provider. All right, welcome back from the break. Talking some struggling, you know, star players that are, if we're worried about them or not, long term in dynasty leagues. Been hitting on some hitters so far. Ha, been hitting on some hitters that went well together. Uh, let's go over to the pitching side of things now. And leading off here for pitchers, two big names that are really looking bad this year that were drafted as fantasy aces. One guy as a sometimes in the top five. He's, I saw him go fourth at times behind the big three this year. Another guy, you know, a few spots down, but still I think his ADP was back in top 10 starter this year. You know, one being Lucas Giolito, the other Luis Castillo. Chris, let's start with Giolito here. Now, what have you seen from him this year and how worried about are you about him moving forward? Definitely worried because when he made, he made some adjustments to really cause him to break out you know, mechanical adjustments. And none of those have really gone away. But I've noticed that his release point has been slightly off. And I think that could be hindering him a little bit. Uh, I think that's obviously a factor. One of his factors is release release point. The other is that his slider just isn't cutting it this year. His slider, you know, while he only used it 15% of the time last year, and he's using it 16.5% of the time this year, last year that pitch had a 52.6% whiff rate. This year it's down to 30.8%. It's a big difference there, and it's getting hit hard. I mean, it's got a batting average against a 308, and you know, look at his slugging against of of 769, not good at all. He's allowing more home runs, which is concerning. And also, you look, the velo is a tick down. He's just leaving pitches over the heart of the zone, which I think is really affecting him. And you know, it's interesting because at one point, Lucas Giolito was one of the worst pitchers in Major League Baseball, and then he blossomed and was an ace for two seasons. And now, I don't know. I mean, overall, yeah, I'm concerned. But I do think that he'll be okay. I think he bounces back. I mean, under the hood, things look decent. He seems to get more consistent with his spots and get that release point settled down. I do think he'll be okay. Maybe not ace caliber rest of season, but I do think we can see those numbers dip down. Maybe be a mid-three ERA type guy. So, no, I'm not overly concerned with Giolito but I think maybe we should temper expectations just a little bit as he's working to figure this out. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like the, the XERA is a little lower, so I think he, there has been some unluck, uh, unluckiness to his season so far. But yeah, this hasn't seemed to be the same Giolito that we saw last year. It's missing fewer bats. And, and the same thing can be said for Luis Castillo, who I think I'm a little more worried about Castillo than I am Giolito. And then just go back to you know, the players that I finally buy into that start tanking. Thanks, Giolito. I finally buy into you again after I was a big Giolito guy as a prospect, then got out on him. Took me a while to get back in on him. And now that I finally was this offseason, then he finally gets reverts back to not his old ways, but not the ways that we saw in like, you know, 2019 and 2020. But I do think he will turn it around. And maybe, yeah, like you mentioned, maybe not be an ace, but can be per- still pretty good like sp2 moving forward here but castillo is one i am more 
worried about here. Velo is down. Fastball and sinker down right around a little under a mile and a half, excuse me, or so. The changeup has been hittable this year. It's been good. I think it's still like an above average changeup this year. But you look at last year, 205 betting average against on, on that changeup, which we all know is one of the best in baseball. 170 XPA, 359 slug, 270 X slug, you know, X about 233. Now he's hit, getting hit 257 off the changeup. And that's the pitch he throws the most 35% of the time. He's already given up a home run on it, several doubles. You know, it's, it's still like the slug's only 386, but like it's been more hittable this year, which has been a problem. And so, looking at his locations of his pitches, the changeup command is still pretty good. Like, you look at the heat maps on the changeup, they're right kind of right where you want them to be. Uh, fastball is all right, slider's been all right. The sinker is the issue for me, though. Like, he's been leaving the sinker up over the heart of the zone way too much. And I, I call it Porcello disease. Porcello used to get in trouble with this all the time. And he had a much worse sinker, uh, you know, than a guy like Lu- Luis Castillo did. Um, but it's leaving the sinker over the heart of the plate just becomes a very hittable pitch. You, you want to leave that lower half of the zone. And he, he has not been doing that. And he's been missing a lot fewer bats in general. So the changeup whiff rate is down from 401 26.2%, four-seamer 37.2 to 19.1, sinker 13.1 to 9.1, and the slider from 42.3 down to 25. He's just not missing bats. He's not getting guys to chase as much. The zone contact rate is way up. Actually, excuse me, he actually is getting guys to chase more, uh, 6% more, but the chase contact is what I meant to say has gotten a lot worse. It went from 45.7% last year to 68% this year. That is a massive, massive jump. Um, and if, even though he's getting guys to – that kind of correlates because even though the chase rate's up, but the, that chase contact's up, the whiff rate is what's down. 32.7% last year down to 21% this year, which is below league average by about 3.5%. There's a lot that I'm worried about here, and I do think he'll turn it around to a degree. I'm not saying he's totally done, but I don't think he is a ace moving forward for Dynasty Leagues. I don't know. What are your thoughts on Luis Castillo, Chris? Yeah, I, I think you're right to be concerned. It's He's been rough, and I keep seeing people say, start him, start him. I told people, don't start him in cores. Like, that was a bad idea to start a struggling pitcher in cores, and – what happened? He just got absolutely obliterated again. And I don't know. Uh, I'm concerned. I was high on him coming in. I actually didn't get any shares because there was always someone in one of my leagues yeah. that was higher yeah. than me. So somebody always wanted to take him like around 20 overall. And I wasn't quite willing to go there. <laughs> so I don't know. I think you're you're right to be concerned, especially with the velo being down a tick. He's not missing bats. The whiff rates have just dropped tremendously. And he's just getting hit around everywhere. And, you know, he's just hasn't looked good at all. And I think that he'll figure it out, but I don't know how long it's going to take him to figure it out because there could just be a big mental block right now that's just killing him. And so, yeah, I'm 100% concerned about Castillo. What about this next guy who people thought might rebound with a new team? Everybody said, well, he's not with the Rays. They'll let him go deep into games. And that's Blake Snell, who has been – 
okay, but he's still not going deep into games. So what are you feeling with Snell? Is he going to start going deeper into starts or what's the deal there? I don't know. Like I thought with him getting out of um, Tampa Bay that maybe he'd start going a little deeper in the games in San Diego, but it just has not been the case so far this year. So I'm kind of starting to think that the kind of like the five inning or so Blake Snell is what we're getting. I, I think it's kind of foolish to keep hoping that he's going to start being a, consistently a six or seven inning guy because he's never really been that guy at any point in his career. Like this year, he's actually only averaging a little over four innings per start. Uh, last year, it was a tick over five. Uh, 2018 was actually his best year. It was a tick under six. But it's kind of been going in the wrong direction here. Um, yeah, the last couple of years, it's not been great. And now, you know, he's walking more guys this year. The whip's up. He's getting hit more. It just, I don't know. I Snell is a guy I want to believe in because he's got good stuff. You see the break on his pitches. You know, he's a guy that you feel like should be better than his results indicate. Um, but this year, you know, he's getting the four seamers been getting hit pretty hard. Uh, 558 slug on that, 269 batting average against. The changeup has been getting hitting hard as well. 300 batting average against there. The 358 XBA, so he's even been a little lucky on that changeup. And uh, 467X slug there, 400X Woba. You know, both the breaking balls have been okay, been pretty solid so far. Uh, both getting some some whiffs there, but outside of that, I don't see. There's not a lot here. I'm really worried about, so to speak. Like I'm not, I don't think he's going to continue to fall off or anything like that. You know, look at a, a lot of the you know the contact metrics and stuff. They're they're all kind of basically in line uh, with the years past. The chase rate is down um, about seven and a half percent or so, but that's the only real noticeable difference. And, um, but he, the first pitch strike rate has gone down as well. But I just think maybe he's turning into kind of modern day Gio Gonzalez, the guy that's you know gets you a lot of strikeouts. But outside of that, maybe the maybe the ERA and WHIP isn't great. So I think this is kind of what Blake Snell is now. He, he's still striking out a ton of guys this year. He has forty nine strikeouts and thirty four and a third, but four nineteen ERA, one fifty four WHIP. He just lets too many base runners on. Walk rate is ballooned to 15.2% this year. I don't know. I think he's just like kind of that mid-rotation guy that gets you a lot of Ks, and that's basically it. So, I don't know. What, what, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, you look, the strikeout rate's fine. It's right in line with his career, but the walk rate has just jumped this year big time at 15.2%. That's highly concerning. And when you're, like you said, when you're allowing free passes like that, your whip's going to naturally be high. You're going to allow more runs in. He's also getting hit harder. His barrel rate has been on the rise each of the last two years. The average exit velocity as well. It's actually down, but he's been hit pretty hard. So I don't know. I am concerned that he's just okay and not an ace by any means. And so I think that at this point, you know, I'm pushing him back and value him as more like a, a top 75 dynasty asset rather than like a top 50 type guy. So I think he bounces back to an extent, but not ace level. Yeah, I might even bump him down lower than that. I don't know. He's still he's still top 100 for sure. But if he's not going to be low ERA, low whip guy to go along with those Ks, 
I don't know. He's not. He's definitely not top fifty for me anymore. And yeah, he's probably seventy five to eighty range if I had to guess for my rankings right now. Um, but yeah, he's gonna keep moving lower and lower because if he's a guy that's only you know a f- low four ERA and you know a higher WHIP guy, you know that doesn't really help me much. Yeah, the K's are great, and that's definitely a valuable part of you know pitching for fantasy purposes. Absolutely, but yeah, I just don't like the way he's trending and how he doesn't go deep in the starts. Because you know, under five innings pitch to start this year, that's just not what I want from my pitching staff. It doesn't help that his, his pitch counts have always been getting up there quickly. That always plays into it as well. It's not like he's just getting pulled early. But he's just been ineffective and in getting up there in pitch counts. So you definitely have some worry here about Blake Snell. Let's move on to a couple other guys that aren't necessarily aces, even though one was drafted near ace level in 15 team leagues this year but guys that you didn't really think you'd ever worry about they've spent always been there been pretty solid year in year out uh, especially one of these guys who was a little bit longer of a track record of being consistently good than the other but kenson maeda of the twins and kyle hendricks of the cubs are both having down seasons this year maeda has really looked bad like to the point where I, I do have a couple of shares of Kenta Maeda uh, this year. Uh, I think both in redraft leagues, where I was able to get him as my number two. But you know, he's 478 ERA, 146 whip so far this year. Uh, the slider has not been that great uh, with command-wise. And even he's just getting hit hard. He's already got four home runs off the slider. The four-seamer's getting hit hard. The sinker's getting hit hard. When, when the best you know batting average against you have on a single pitch is 256, that's not that good when the other three are over 300. Uh, which one of these two? So I think I'm more worried about Kenta Maeda because Hendricks has a longer track record of success, and Maeda just looks absolutely terrible this year. The pitches that have been very good for him in the past are not good this year, and it's not just one. It's three that look god awful this year. even the, even that splitter which is the 256 batting average against that i mentioned has taken a significant step back this year so when your entire arsenal takes that much of a step back that is that that's red flag city for me so i am more worried about maeda here moving forward i think he's more like an sp3 or four at this point some not someone i want to kind of invest in in dynasty leagues but i do still think Kyle Hendricks can bounce back a little bit, but which one, which one of these two are you more worried about for dynasty leagues moving forward? Yeah, I think it's Maeda one because the age he's 33 last year looks like a little bit of an anomaly. And you look at his career numbers and yeah, he's always been steady, but he's never been ace level. Like he was last year, his career ERA, including last season's at three, eight Oh. So you factor that in and you know, he's been really good. And last year was phenomenal. And people thought, well, he's finally out of LA and maybe this is, finally happening for him. But then, you know, this year he's just gotten blown up. He's leaving too many pitches over the heart of the zone. That slider is just hanging too often and just getting smacked around. You know, that was one of his better pitches last year. That and his splitter were both very, very good last year. And, you know, even still, he's getting solid whiff rate on the slider. He's just leaving it over and getting hit. I mean, he's giving up four home runs on that pitch. He's giving up eight home runs on the year. That four seems getting hit pretty good as well. You know, he doesn't have the fastball velo to really like pump it by guys. He has a 91 mile an hour average on that pitch. So 
slightly concerning. I mean, it just is what it is. But when you when you are blowing it by guys, when you're leaving over the heart of the plate, you're gonna get hit hard. So he's got to locate that better. You go look at his heat maps, and it's just the slider right over the middle, and the four seam right over the middle, the sinker right over the middle. And that's the thing, sinker. You got to get down and induce the ground balls, and he's just not doing that effectively. His you know when you see p- pitchers that are effective with sinkers, they normally have extremely low launch angles sometimes in the negative. And last year, you know, that was an effective pitch for him. And he had a two degree launch angle. And this year that's up to eight, which is closer to line drive range. And, you know, he's 364 batting average again. So yeah, Maeda's concerning. He's got to locate the pitches a little better. And Hendricks, I'm not overly concerned about, even though God, he's been destroying my TGFBI team just <laughs> yeah. with getting blown up with him and Paddock on that team has just not been good at all. But you know, with Hendricks, he's had a more of a steady path of success. He's been one of the most consistent pitchers in the game over the last right. six to eight years, and his career ERA is still at three two zero, which is impressive. I do think he bounces back, even though right now everything looks pretty rough. But I do think there's some rebound potential, and he's still young. He's younger than my age. He's only thirty one, so I, I would much rather have Hendricks right now and think that he has the better chance of bouncing back. But again, he's, he's struggling to locate some pitches as well. And I do think that's a slight concern for him, but yeah, might is definitely frustrating and concerning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm more worried about him moving forward. I, I think Hendrick should be fine. It's weird how he's just been so consistent for, you know, I almost wrote an article this off season that I just didn't get around to, or maybe like in draft season about just the guys that have been, so consistent at every position year in, year out. And like the first name I thought of for pitcher would have been him. I was like, all right, this is a guy you can draft and know what you're going to get. And then he just kind of falls off a cliff this year. And and then he's one that all four of his pitches are kind of doing a lot worse this year. But especially the f- people are lo- absolutely keying in on his fastball this year. So I do think he turns it around a bit here. But um, yeah, definitely less worried about him moving forward. Um, moving out to Colorado here, and I wouldn't say I'm worried about this pitcher because I've always been lower than basically the entire fantasy baseball world, both analysts and just regular players. I think I'm probably one of the lower guys around on Herman Marquez, and this year he is he's been absolutely atrocious. 5.56 ERA, 1.68 WHIP. And I said, I'm not worried about him because I expected this. Like he's not, (laughs) how many people I heard say, Oh, he'd be a top 15 arm. If he got out of cores, why he's never had great K rates. Like, you know, one of the, I said time and time before, one of the big things about, you know, success for pitchers in fantasy baseball is getting strikeouts. We all know that. He's never been a big strikeout guy. There are a couple of years, I think, where he was, you know, solid in the K rate department. Uh, like looking back here in years past for him, you know, he had 28.2 in 2018. That's basically it. Outside of that, 21, 24, 21, 23 this year. Walk rate has gone up now two years in a row. It's 13% this year. His 10.1 K minus walk rate is very much in the bottom part of the league. Now, some of those metrics that people look at, like FIP and you know XERA, are, are are lower than his surface ERA. So there has been you know some you know bad luck there for Marquez, but 
I just don't see what everyone else has seen from him. I don't know, Chris. Maybe I'm just blind. It's my bias against German Marquez because I've been so anti-Marquez for a while now. But even like looking at the Arsenal, you know, he gets some decent whiff rates on his breaking pitches, but just doesn't have the high K rate. So and this year, the fastball is getting annihilated. So, And he's still in course, people. like Worry about what he might be out of course when he finally leaves course. And people are more worried about Trevor Story leaving course, and he's still there. So that's another thing. But you know, what are your thoughts on Marquez? How worried are you about him moving forward? Yeah, and he's one that I thought I got a good value on in one league. In the, in the relegation league we're in, I thought I got a decent value on him at like pick 180. And it turns out that was not decent value at all. It was absolutely terrible. And his splits are, are fine. I mean, we know he's going to be worse at home. But even in the past, though, he's had times where he's been worse on the road. He's kind of a weird anomaly. But I don't know. There's not much to see here, in my opinion. He's just like a kind of average guy. He doesn't strike out enough hitters. The the whip is not good at all. His ERA also not good. And you know when you when you've seen in the past when he's been good, it's when he's kept the walk rate down and the strikeout rate's been decent. But you know that 2018 and semi decent 2019 season are now much in the past. And he's walking 13 percent of hitters this year. It's just not good. Everything's kind of ugly under the hood. So. Yeah, I don't like what I see, and honestly, he might be becoming droppable in some leagues just because I don't think he's got it. And there's, you know, if you could have cut him and picked up a guy like, I don't know, Hauskar Yanoa, who's been extremely good. There's a, there's a lot of pitchers that have just been out there on the wire you could just grab and, and roll with, and uh, I don't know. Marquez just doesn't have it. I, I wonder if he ever did have it. Uh, he had kind of had it, but not to the degree everyone else thought he did, and Oh, he'll leave Colorado. That's no guarantee. Like, I think everyone thinks there's some like magical potion that when hitters leave Colorado, they get better. And when, uh, or excuse me, they get worse. Or and when pitchers leave, they get better. It's not some Coraline thing. Like, it's not some thing that correlates perfectly. And there's some magic potion you can drink and make that true. So I just don't see it from market. I don't even want him. I, he's not rosterable right now. Dynasties, yeah, still, I guess, but I don't even know if I have him in my top 300 anymore. He, he's that low for me. You know, and if he ever does leave Colorado, we'll see. But I just, even just looking at the metrics under the hood here, I don't see something that would be an elite arm, even without cores having to deal with that. So, yep, just don't see it. I'm glad I'm not the only one anymore. Um, ending the show here, a couple young Detroit arms that really haven't broken out as much as we thought here. Tariq Skubal, Casey Mize. Uh, this year, Mize, 419 ERA through seven starts, uh, not striking out anybody at all. 27 strikeouts in 38 and two-thirds. Key rate is only 16.5% uh, after sitting at 19.5% last year, which is still below average. League average is around like 22 23% in that range. And even the walk rate for Casey Myers, which is one of his things, he was like a plus, you know, above average to plus command and control guy in the minor leagues. The walk rate this year and last year have both been at 9.8%. So not terrible, but not very Casey Mize like. And then Tariq Skubal, uh, a guy that we all thought would at least provide a ton of Ks, isn't even doing that. 
through his first uh, six starts and two relief appearances. First off, he's 0 and 6. <laughs> Start off with that. Um, but 573 ERA, 158 whip, and only a 20.4% K rate. So a little more than Mize, but this was a guy that was striking out anybody and everybody in the minors. We thought he'd be an elite source of strikeouts, and he has not been that this year. And he's even, he's even been a little lucky with that 573 ERA because his X ERA is 7. 18 XBA 292 X slug 597 just getting hit really really hard so out of these two Chris which one are you more worried about moving forward for me it might be Mize because if he doesn't have the K rate and he's not providing the ratios that he once did and the command and control he once did what really can he provide us yeah, I'm concerned about both. I think, yeah, honestly, me too. you know, Scooble, could he end up in the bullpen? I wouldn't surprise me. He might. You know, he, he could really benefit from that fastball slider combo playing up in the bullpen, in my opinion. He's really dropped the changeup usage this year, which he used a lot more last year. And I don't know. I'm interested as to why, because it wasn't like a, it wasn't a bad pitch by any means last year. And so I'm not sure why he's, just more, I mean, he's he's throwing six pitches, but pretty much it's just four-seam slider, and he's getting hit pretty hard on both. But I do wonder if those pitches could play up in the pin. Mize, like you mentioned, man, they're both concerning. I'll, I'll take uh, Matt Manning over both by far. Oh, absolutely, yep. And, it, and it, everybody was off the Manning, has been off the Manning train, but, you know, whatever. If you want to, that's fine. But he's, I think he's a better pitcher than these guys. So, they're just not getting it done. Maybe they need some more seasoning down in the minors. Maybe they've lost confidence and you've got to imagine yeah. they have lost some confidence after, you know, how rough they've been pitching. But I don't know. Myers has a location problem. He's leaving a lot of pitches in hittable spots. And I don't know. There's reason for concern on both in my opinion. Yeah. And with Myers, he's a 349 XBA on a splitter. That's ridiculous for a pitch that I once dubbed a 70-grade pitch and the best splitter I had seen since Clemens and, and Schilling and all them. That is really worrisome. And last year, it was just it was even worse last year. 313 batting average against on the splitter. This year it's 269. Um, but six six twenty-six X slug. It's getting hit in the sinker, he started throwing more and more the last couple of years has been getting hit got hit hard last year got hit hard this year yeah he's he's been kind of working with the the pitch mix and the arsenal and you know throwing a curveball which he never threw in the minor leagues uh, throwing that the last two years you know using the two seamer uh, you know as well the sinker i don't know i'm not really i don't know i don't see where the k rate comes from like if he's not getting it on the splitter and he only has a 13% whiff rate this year on the splitter that's very worrisome for basically his biggest out pitch that he showed coming up through at, at University of Auburn and throughout the minor leagues in the Detroit system. So, yep, worried about both of them. Uh, Scooball, I've always been kind of worried about. He kind of came out of nowhere, dominated with that a lot of strikeouts and high A and double A back in 2019. Um, but I don't know if he has the command and control to be a uh, you know number three or higher starter for us. Um, walk rate 11.2% this year. And like we mentioned, the K rate has just gone down 
to the point where it's not useful anymore, and it's actually below league average. I never thought Scooball would be a below league average K rate guy, but that's where we're at. So yeah, maybe maybe bullpens in this future. Maybe they get. Yeah, I agree with you. Maybe they could get some time AAA again, just get get things right. We'll see, but definitely con- very concerned with both of these guys moving forward. So not really two I'd be looking to invest in in dynasty leagues at all right now. But all right, that's going to wrap up this episode. We hope that everyone enjoyed it and that it was beneficial to you in your Dynasty Leagues. Again, you can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I am at EricCross04. And check out all of our great written work over at FantraxHQ.com. Check out Chris's OBP Dynasty Ranks Top 500 that came out on Friday. Those are great. Again, I'll have my prospect rankings updated probably middle of this week. Um, And you can see those right now if you were a 70-grade uh, Patreon subscriber for us as you see our live rankings before we post them. Great little perk there. So sign up for our Patreon, patreon.com slash Fantex Toolshed. And we, we will be back with you all again next week with more Dynasty and Prospect Talk. But until then, everyone take care. fans it's time to step into a championship the 2023 miak men's and women's basketball tournament tips off march 8th through the 11th at the scope arena in norfolk virginia join all the me action with competitive basketball games fun theme nights and fan fests official after parties and comedy shows tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to meachoops.com for more info the 2023 miak basketball tournament who will be crowned champion Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Start a global hospitality brand? Be next to do it in Montgomery County, Maryland. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com to see how our top talent, diversity, and location will help you be the next company to change the world.